Welcome to the Sundance Canyon Academy podcast. I'm Nate Stoddard. So today uh, we're bringing in a, a special guest that we've actually known for for quite a long time, uh, Rennie Sandoval. Welcome to uh, the Sundance Canyon Pod, uh, Sundance Canyon Academy podcast. Gosh, can't talk. Hi, um, Nate. Thanks. <laughs> we've also got Boyd Hooper here, uh, admissions director and extraordinaire for Sundance Canyon Academy. Um, we're a little bit more jovial on this particular occasion since uh, it's been a while since we've been able to sit down and chat with Rennie, but. Um, it's been a it's been a while since we've uh, actually sat down and, and been able to get with you and see how things are going. Um, today, uh, Randy, first give us give us a little bit of idea of your background. Uh, what uh, you know, where you come from, what you do, uh, how long you've been in the business. Yeah, well, I've been doing therapy now for going on eighteen years. Um, I'm an LCSW licensed clinical social worker. Um, I specialize in addictions um, and. Uh, currently working in the field of addiction and co-occurring disorders. Um, I've done a lot of work with youth and adolescents in various programs, as well as many adult inpatient and outpatient programs uh, throughout Utah Valley. Great. You know, that, just a quick intro for you. We already all knew that because we have a, a really good history with, with Randy, and he's helped us out here at Sundance uh, for quite a few years at the very beginning. And so... Um, Specialty wise, Randy, we're talking specifically with uh, you know today about your specialty or what we I understand is your specialty in, in what we call acceptance and commitment um, approach therapy. therapy yeah. Can you can you give us a little definition for parents listening and what, what what that looks like and what that means? Okay, so if do you want me to get into the actual bones of that? Or yeah, can I have some introduction to it. If yeah, that's okay. I, yeah. Give us a little intro to it. I think uh, it's it's one of those things that parents are going to need to know and understand yeah. first about what that is because we're going to apply it to some of the things that we experience with Sundance and what we yeah. do. But let's let's get a definition out there first. Thank you. For the past thirty years, um, certain psychological processes have been studied related to that eventually became acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, one of the main components of ACT, as as it it's called. Um, which is uh, uh, yeah, kind of relates to acting toward values. Mm. Um, and it, ha- it has a series of uh, just psychological principles that are a little bit different than your traditional cognitive behavioral therapy or rationally emoted behavioral therapy. It does have a lot that's in line with dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, and it's less about trying to change your thoughts and beliefs and emotions and run from those mm-hmm. which traditional you know cognitive therapy kind of gets into this idea that if i have difficult thoughts and beliefs that's going to lead to difficult feelings for me and uh in order to avoid those feelings i need to dispute those thoughts and beliefs and change them and with certain things that can be okay i'm more on a superficial level day-to-day Irritations that come up for us, but when it comes to real core issues mm-hmm. that many people struggle with throughout life, um, it doesn't really work. <laughs> Does it target a specific, say, age group better than others, maybe? Or is it a... Tell, tell... I'd say adolescence and, and beyond that, of yeah. course. It's, it's can be quite intricate and complicated at first, but then it gets really simple, which is nice. 
Um, so there are adolescents, depending on their uh, cognitive abilities, that would benefit from it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the so right now you 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 work in a, in the addiction specific. You're, you're working with young adults, isn't that right? Or are you all working ages. at all ages? Yeah. Okay. I have a 71 year old too right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's quite the spectrum. Right. Give me a little bit. So you you understand Sundance history and where where Sundance has kind of come from and the the type of student. Tell me how ACT is, and again, ACT, just to, just to clarify for the audience, ACT is the metaphor for, for uh, the acceptance commitment therapy. Um, apply that to what your experience was with Sundance, I guess. Tell, tell us, I mean, we get a lot of kids that come in with some dual diagnosis, and I may even turn that over to Boyd to explain a little bit better or, um, and give a little bit more background. But what, tell, me, tell me where that acceptance therapy could have been used it seems to me it's a pretty new concept or at least for me it is sure. and so because i'm not the professional here right you guys are tell me tell me where that act comes from and how that was applicable to what we do at sundance and, and, the, and that youth, sure. youth environment so i think it starts with um and, and i'm thinking of teenagers as well right mm-hmm. um, our relationship to discomfort um is where it starts Meaning we kind of have this view of discomfort. I need to run from that. And uh, especially as a kid, I think immediate gratification is kind of a trait. And we want to escape our Mm -hmm. pain and our difficulties as quickly as possible. And that's part of our biological survival brain that has to do with pain equals getaway, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Psychologically, however, it doesn't really work for us in a lot of occasions because all feelings are valid. in traditional cognitive therapy, there's this idea of using terms like negative and positive to describe thoughts and emotions. Acceptance and commitment therapy takes more of a neutral stance to that. Thoughts and emotions mm-hmm. just are. I have difficult ones and I have comfortable ones. So we, so the semantics become important in how we talk about that. Um, if you can imagine a pendulum of emotion, on the one hand, the higher you go up with the pendulum before you let it go would represent as much love, peace, joy, happiness, excitement that you can have. And when the pendulum swings, of course, I'm also open to that much angst, fear, anxiety, depression. And uh, the problem is we try to stop that movement from happening and swaying to the other side. So we do avoidant behaviors in order to stop that process. So with a negative and positive label, Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty hard to... That'd be like the first biggest right. thing to overcome because not only do you have the kids understanding if he, if it's a, an adolescent, but you've also got some parenting issues in there that may exacerbate that issue. Sure. Well, you think of, you know, what does the word negative bring up for you? Wrong. Bad. Bad. Yeah. Therefore, I shouldn't be thinking this way. And we kind of build up and we add anxiety to our anxiety um, because we can't change it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of this idea that... Um, we can learn to accept our thoughts and emotions and let them do their job and learn from those without it affecting us acting in a, toward a trajectory that takes us to peace and well-being in life, which is values. And there's and it's very values-based. Hmm. And I can go through some of that process. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure in, in some cases it's probably pretty, I would guess, complicated or layered, depending right. on the on the on the student or 
in your case, the client. I always call them students. But so give me an idea. Help me understand what that. Um, I almost feel like I'm a Jedi Knight, if you will, <laughs> if I'm saying, okay, I got this negative stuff and I'm coming in and I've got to kind of stop it emotionally so that it doesn't act out in behavior. Is that right. is that kind of where you're stop? I mean, is that how that works? So or? we wouldn't say stop it. Oh, we'd okay. say learn to go. accept it. And, oh, okay. And so the. I, the ultimate idea is, even though I'm having these difficult thoughts and emotions, how would my ideal self act mm. regardless of that? And I can get into a little bit more description of how we do that, because that sounds good to do, right? But, Rennie, how can you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if I can already do that, I'd do it. Right, right. So ACT takes you through some processes that can help can to you, give you motivation to act toward those things. Can you give us some basic steps? Yeah. I mean, we've got all day, I know, but <laughs> most people won't, sure. won't listen to too Well, let's, let's start with values. Right, values. Okay. So whatever comes up for you when I, well, I'll ask you this, Nate. When I say who and what is important to you in life, what comes up for you in your thoughts and Family. emotions? Family. Family. Yeah. Uh, friends, close yeah. friends, yeah. Uh, leaders maybe even in ecclesiasticals. ecclesiasticals. Oh, boy, I can't say the word. <laughs> Church. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, those would be. Okay, that's the who. Mm-hmm. And then what is important to you? Um, I think values. Uh, honesty, hmm. integrity, um, compassion, love, empathy. In some cases, uh, you forgot money. Um, money's not my only value. <laughs> well, except. we value independence and being able to <laughs> yeah. do recreation and fun. That's a value. So sure. you need money. Sure. Yeah, entertainment or you know being able to, um, you know, get my focus that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Good. So the important piece uh, right up front is just to start to identify with what's important to me. Okay. Um, and that'll make sense as we go through the process as to why identifying that is important. Now, if I have these values and I say I live by these or I would like to live by these values, the question is what are the actions that I do toward those values? And I need to identify what that looks like. Meaning if I had a video camera on you, mm-hmm. what would it look like if you were acting toward the f- your value of family. So, a real quick question on that: how how does that apply to a, someone with an addiction problem? Because I would guess that their values come out as a uh, this crank or pot or whatever. That's my value. That's that's valuable to me, and it's yeah. also makes me feel sure. So good does qu- that? Yeah. Good question. Okay. Uh, is that for kind of the first thing you're hitting? I'd say there? I'd say the value is probably comfort and peace or relief of pain. Okay. Good. Right. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more in a second about the other side. So okay. right now we're on the value side, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the thoughts and emotions related. And there's emotions that go along with your values, too. When you act toward them, you get a payoff, right? So yeah. there's emotions involved. Okay. On the other side, we would say, what are the more difficult thoughts, beliefs, and emotions that tend to get in the way of you acting toward what's important to you? What do you tell yourself? What are your core issues? Uh, fear of loss, um, hopelessness. The way you talk to yourself, your self-talk as far as I'm no not, money. I'm not good enough. I have no <laughs> money. What am I going to do? How am I going to pay my bills? So all the thoughts that kind of come up that would lead to anxiety, fear, and pain. Wreck and my car, sadness. Something like that. Right. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, actions on that side, we would, we would term uh, actions of avoidance. So what can I do in the quickest way possible that will get rid of this pain, fear, and angst? or sadness, or whatever it might be. How can I stop thinking about this? What's the easiest, quick way? And that's where that immediate gratification comes in because our brains tells us, this works, let's do that. So an addiction, Mm. of course, using is an avoidant behavior. 
And it's avoidant because it's not in line with who we truly want to be. Mm-hmm. I may value what I get out of it in the short term, but in the long term, it never works. And we could say that for shopping, gambling, avoidant behavior could be work. So there's kind of a free flow in our actions. It's just, it's a matter of awareness of acting toward what's important to us versus taking the avoidant route. You know, I had an experience with a parent just the other day because he was telling me that his value is, you know, his, his son. And he's trying to tell me about his son and the struggles his, his son is having. And he's telling me all these different things. And uh, yet he missed three different phone calls with me. And I was talking to him about these postponements that he's had with these appointments and he said work 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 Mm. so i asked the question boy you work a lot yes i'm an attorney yes i do this Mm. and i said so um how much time do you really spend with your with your son and he said you know that's a cutting question because he knew that he wasn't putting in the time for his son and he knew while he told me his value was his family work was an avoidance for him because he knew his son was struggling and they were falling apart. And that means he had to play a part in that. So that was, that was really difficult for him. Mm. But in having that conversation, um, he's saying, yeah, I could probably use some of the therapeutic help that Sundance is going to offer me from a family and from a parent perspective. So nice. Great anyway, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Great example of avoidance, um, isolating, playing video games. Um, your example, Boyd was, is, a. Uh, you know, it's common. It's a value I have, and I'm working toward it, so I think it's okay, but out of balance, of course. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, of course, all of our kids who use, you know, they'll, they'll bring this up in therapy, and they'll talk about, you know, I use because I need to because I have depression and anxiety, and I don't like the drugs or prescriptions that my doctor gave me or my parents say that I have to have. And so I'm just, you know, weed helps me. And so their value, I don't think, is necessarily weed. Maybe it is in some circumstances. But um, but using becomes important for them. Yeah, they lose that sense of value of who and what and how. Okay, thank you. Good. So um, identifying values, identifying what are the difficult thoughts and emotions, and I don't mean just sitting down and doing that right now in the moment mm-hmm. to write it down. But th- the goal is to have an awareness of when these thoughts come up. Okay, and the first step in this process is to just start to notice when we're getting hooked by our thoughts. And by hooked, I mean we ruminate on it, we obsess about it, um, we kind of get the ball rolling in our emotions before we then try to avoid it in some way. Um, so noticing, like if, if that th- thought of I'm not good enough comes into your head and you're kind of stuck on it and you have some resentment because your loved ones are treating you like, at least in your, in your view, that you're less than, um, if that thought could walk in the room in some kind of embodiment what would it look like to notice it just right off the bat I might give it some eye contact Um, I I might try to get rid of it and that's what avoidance is is I don't like you in the room I want you out Mm -hmm. Um, so first step notice when we're getting hooked on thoughts and you can just notice regular thoughts you're having too Um, and if I'm fused we call it fusion So being fused to a thought means I'm ruminating and I'm obsessing on it. And maybe I forget about it for a few minutes or an hour, and then it's still coming back to me. Okay. So How's the thought, just real quick, how is the thought maybe differentiated from a belief in 
in that particular thought, right? I mean, if you're always remunerating about something, then it may even be substantiating a belief, whether it be right. logical or not. Right. Beliefs would be longstanding beliefs about yourself or how the world should work and how okay. the world should be. I could get frustrated about a thought like my parents should listen to me better. They should take my, my opinion seriously. Uh-huh. Um, thoughts can be more, be more like, oh, boy, it sure is being a butt today. Just That's a today. thought. Yes. Maybe I don't always That's believe that. <laughs> That's actually a belief. A right. core belief. That's a core belief. <laughs> but that can, I would guess, in an adolescent sense, could that be construed as maybe as a value? Is this, con- this repeating thought of it's going against a value? You see where I guess I'm, I'm a little confused Good. as to how how that how that is the lines drawn between a, this thought that you always have and it not. So the important thing to remember is our brains are like a, uh, you know, like we have a satellite dish with two million channels, mm-hmm. and I could be watching one thing, and then even though I have the remote in my hand, and I'm enjoying what I'm watching, the channel just flips and switches to different stations, and some are uncomfortable, some I don't want to see, some are boring, yeah, and uh, so the idea is to just be able to take a representative thought out of what's going on with me right now. Okay. Okay. I'm resentful toward my wife. She shouldn't have done that. Okay. I'm telling myself I'm not good enough for her. She should she could have done better. So I might take one of those thoughts. Okay, I'm kind of hooked on this thought of my wife could have done better than me. Mm. Okay. Okay. And so then I have a thought I can do the work with. Okay. okay? I see what you're saying, yeah. Okay. And I notice I'm f- having some feelings of resentment related to that. So we're talking again back talking about the values here, Rennie, really quick. Values and then the awareness of of, of the thoughts. Um, for the sake of, of keeping it simple for our for our listeners, tell me tell me next steps in sure in in the act here. Sure. So let's take well. Why don't we take a, an example from one of the kids that you guys work with? Um, what are some of the core issues they deal with? What are some of the thought? processes that go on with them that kind of keep them in their difficult cycles not worth it Um, or it's you know mom dad making me mad because they won't let me go to wherever i mean you know could be everything from from uh you know i don't want to go to school because i'm not you know i'm not very smart maybe or um friends uh, a lot of a lot of we're seeing a lot of and boyd can maybe speak better to this but a lot of the uh the, the video game stuff where they're isolating and getting in there and what leads them to that. And, well, it's control over what they can do, right? I mean, I, that's and they don't have to listen and they're angry or whatever thought, whatever anger, whatever emotion that put, drives them in there usually is anger or, or some lack of self-esteem or sadness or sure. escape. So my parents don't let me do what I want. Uh, what's the point of life? Uh, life sucks. Why try? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why try? Um, so if we were to take one of those types of thoughts, like uh, my parents never listened to me, or, or I like the one about school, right? I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not smart. I look stupid at school. Why? I'm not going to even try. Um, so once I notice that that's kind of repetitive thought that I have, um, we would apply then what we call diffusion. So we notice the fusion, and then we have diffusion techniques that would help in this process. Mm-hmm. Not to get rid of the thought, but to give myself a little space from it. Because often we think from our thoughts as if we're the thought, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we want to start looking at our thoughts, which has to do with mindfulness and awareness. So 
defused uh, to defuse from the thought. One of the most simple ways of doing that is simply by calling the thought what it is, which is a thought. And so we change our language a little bit. Instead of saying, uh, my parents never listened to me or I'm not smart, it would, it would go to, I'm having the thought right now that I'm not smart enough. I'm mm. having the thought right now that my parents are never going to change. It's a thought I'm having. Thank you, brain, for doing your job. You're taking all the information that's ever been put into it, and you're coming up with this statement. Okay? And uh, diffusion, there's, there's, there's some that are defined like that, uh, but you can get creative with this and kind of fun, and I think that's what would be cool with the kids to work with this is, you know, let's sing the Woe Is Me song. Let's sing the I'm Not Good Enough. I'm going to write the I'm Not Good Enough song, and I'm going to sing that for <laughs> mm-hmm. a little while. Just to give it a life and accept it a little bit that I can have this thought. That it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to think and feel that way. Yeah. Right? In, the, in those moments. Yeah. I don't have to like it. But, but I gave there. birth to the thought. It's there. Once I give birth to a thought, it's mine. and it can come back in some fashion at some point. So unless I make contact with it and really kind of uh, start to welcome it in a little bit more, I'm going to continue to struggle because I'm going to try to get rid of it. Okay? So defusion is just a way to give ourselves a little bit of space from the thought and to look at it instead of from the thought's point of view. You know, it's interesting you say that because I had a young man who came in for admissions and he was telling me how much he hated his parents. I hate my parents because they made this decision for me to go into treatment. And I said, you know what? Hold on to that. It's okay to feel that way and to be that angry with them. At least you feel something. So, yeah, if you need to hold on to that for a day or two or a week or whatever, it's going to be up to you to decide how long you're going to feel that way about them. And it's also going to be on you to decide... Can I move past that? Is there something deeper that I own for me that I can change? Because it really is about what you want to change. And so, you know, hold on to that thought. And so I think, does nice. that go along? Absolutely. That, correlates that, that with would what? be congruent with Congruent act. with what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, with act. Okay. Yeah. Good example. Thank you. The, we, hurt, we hurt where we care. Our pain has something to teach us. Right? So... Part of this process is also... That's a bumper I'd, sticker. That's a bumper sticker. Probably yeah, is, just can't right. pause. Everybody write that down. <laughs> have a nice day. And we care <laughs> where we hurt, right? And have a nice day. Yeah. Um, and so being able to look at, look at that, again, relationship to uncomfortable thoughts and emotions, that they belong, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't know what happiness was without sadness. It's connected. Those of us in the room with kids, Nate, Boyd, you have kids. I have kids. Yeah. Um, that level of openness we had to feel love and empathy and care went up a few notches, mm-hmm. right? And then sure. when, the, when the pendulum swings, now we're all also open to that much fear and anxiety and stress and worry because we love them, right? And so this, the, the difficult thoughts belong. The difficult emotions have a part to play in our well-being, actually. Um, if you look at... Uh, Sorry. Say so, just real quick. So, turn the tables on you a little bit, uh, parents. So, I mean, it's, it sounds like to me it's a uh, you know works both ways in the sense of maybe they maybe have a little bit more idea or mature look of what their values are uh, and their thoughts towards their kids. May, I mean, because I can speak for myself and my kids, and I want you know I want to mm, like you know kid and I'm <laughs> mad at him, you know whatever. So, as a parent that recognizing still is it works the same 
is is my guess is that they've got to recognize what that emotion or what the thought is about their about their child, and then in essence, kind of tie it back to that value and. Right. Li- but that's okay to live with it because you can be mad with your kid. Right. But if I can have an awareness of where that's coming from, I can remember that it's because I love this kid. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what that's where these emotions are coming from, and that then becomes a tool in being able to communicate more effectively and communicating to understand instead of to be right or to get our way. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of set a nice stage for emotional intimacy to happen. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I think we've got the understanding of act overall. So the acceptance so have, piece. Tell me about commitment. Tell me about that piece. Yeah, thanks. So I'm not done with the process, but oh. thank you for redirecting. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Let's get back on track. Here. Here. I like it. We're on track. I like it. So I also want to say that uh, act pulls from some Buddhist philosophy and Eastern philosophy related to what we call impermanence. Mm. That our thoughts yeah. and our emotions are impermanent. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, so are our positive emotions or the comfortable emotions, right? Um, you go on a vacation, Monday's coming, and you got to get back home. There's going to be a letdown. There's going to be back to the grind. Um, and notice that uh, in people who struggle with addictions, especially this, this idea of keeping the party going, mm-hmm. that, I, that I need to feel good all of the time. So that's an important piece to realize with this as well. Um, so as I diffuse from those thoughts, right, I'm having the thought that, boy, it's being a butt. Right. I'm having the thought that uh, my life stinks and I'm never going to go anywhere with it. Um, I can also notice I'm having a feeling of anxiety. I'm have a, having a feeling of sadness. I can talk to myself this way, which is a little softer than I am anxious or I'm depressed because that's that's kind of finite. Like, sure. Because I'm not depressed. I don't embody depression mm-hmm. all the time, right? It's a feeling that's going on within me, okay? So diffusion is step two after noticing. After diffusion, we get into what's called expansion, which is how can I create a little bit more space for this thought to exist? How can I give it room, so to speak? So we use some metaphors to help with this. And I'll share one with you, um, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's say I get a new barbecue grill, and I'm excited, and I'm going to food, right? Now you speak um, my language. Right? And I uh, get on Facebook or on Instagram or wherever, and I, I put out this blanket email or text to all of my friends and family that says, barbecue at my house, 7 o'clock, everyone's welcome. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the day of the party comes, I'm excited, everything's ready to go, people start arriving. There's a knock on the door. And I open the door, and oh, what do you know? Crazy Uncle Charlie decided to come. He's the last person I wanted at this party. Right? He shows up in his tattooed, mohawked, no shirt, poor hygiene, two drinks in. (laughs) Right? It's Uncle Eddie in his RV. Yeah, it's kind of, there you go. Uh, So he's the last person I wanted there. And my thoughts go, he'll ruin the party. I can't enjoy this if he's here. Okay. So I make up an excuse and I try to send him on his way. A couple minutes later, knocks on the door again. I open it up. He walks right in past me. And I go and get him, drag him out again. This time quite forcefully, thinking I've done the job. A few minutes later... 
he walks in again. I go through this process a couple of times, right? Eventually, I start staying by the door waiting for him. Mm. Okay. When I think he's gone, I go back to the party. He's walked around the backyard and is helping himself to some hot dogs, <laughs> annoying some of my of the guests. And uh, it's a hard battle, right? Mm-hmm. But what I start to notice is while I'm here worrying about Uncle Charlie, I'm not enjoying what I came here to do, right? I haven't eaten yet. I haven't talked to my other relatives or my friends. And so I decide to give him some space. I decide to say to the, everyone in the party, hey, Uncle Charlie's here. Let's make space at the table. And as I do that and I stop trying to fight him off, he actually starts to be a little bit bit more human to those around him. He actually makes a couple people laugh. Sure, he smells and he's un- it's uncomfortable that he's there, but he doesn't have to affect what I'm going to do. Right? So I start to enjoy the party regardless of his presence. So that's kind of the that's one metaphor to kind of help understand that how can I be a little bit more compassionate to my thoughts. Mm-hmm. How can I make space for them? They belong. He is family. I did say everyone was welcome. And so just like I've given birth to a thought, it can come in. Acceptance doesn't mean I have to like that thought or those emotions or want them there. It just means can I, can I have some compassion towards them? Um, and really that's a, a great exercise of self-love. When we talk about self-love and self-care, and that's kind of, it's hard to really define what that is. I think this is a really true way of accepting ourselves is by accepting some of the jacked up thoughts that we can have, mm-hmm. right? The difficult thoughts that come in yeah, to just yeah. make space. Instead of running away from it, you accept it. The Uncle Charlie thoughts, yeah. Like Uncle Charlie yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm having the thought. Yeah. Uh, I can't, well, I shouldn't be thinking this way. Oh, again, I'm going to be anxious when I go to the party. So we, we be, we're anxious about being anxious. In this, so this process helps with that and helps us deal with the real pain without adding suffering to it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So suffering comes when we're trying to get rid of it. It makes it worse. Because now how I'm dealing with those thoughts and emotions, I'm beating myself up that I'm having the thoughts. And I'm beating myself up because I'm doing avoidant behaviors instead of living how I really want to live. Hmm. That's interesting. So that's expansion. Okay. And the last step is most important, which is commitment. Okay. And, and this is the point of if I can have more mindfulness and awareness and I can recognize maybe where that uh, pain is coming from and what value it's tied to, I can make a commitment to act toward a value. It doesn't have to be a value that's connected to the pain necessarily. But even though I'm having this thought and this emotion right now, what's my next move? What would my ideal self be doing if I didn't have the thought? And being able to do that, not... 10 times out of 10, two or three times out of 10, and you're a professional at this, okay? Wow, okay. Because we're going to avoid. Right. So there's no perfection in this. But true growth happens when I'm having difficult emotion, but I act in a values congruent way. When I'm already feeling love and peace and happiness and joy or love for Uncle Charlie, it's easy to act toward that value. That's status quo, right? And we're going to maintain that. True growth comes, excuse me when I'm having the difficulty and I act toward it. Mm-hmm. It starts to treat our, our brains start to take on a, a new familiarity with other options versus the usual avoidant ways that we go. Okay. So in working with some of your clients and some of the, especially adolescents and stuff, can you give me another example of when a kid is actually, you know, committed and have, has used this, I guess. Yeah. 
So I have a 14-year-old client currently in my private practice mm-hmm. um, who has, uh, she's adopted. She has attachment issues and has difficulty getting along with her parents. And I won't get into all the details of that, but um, she's identified her values as being creative. Um, she loves art. That's one way that she expresses herself. She wants to be social, but doesn't do it very well. She avoids that. So she's starting to recognize those. You know, when I sit at home and I isolate all the time, I really do want to be out there. I really want to, I do want to be out there with my friends. And so she's been able to connect um, this, this idea of, yeah, I don't want to go. And just realize that that's okay to have that thought. And on occasion, being able to pinpoint times when she goes out with friends. And so she's starting to come in talking about some of these social interactions and experiences, um, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and, the, and the idea is that she has some intention to her actions, meaning she's very aware. I, I value that. I'm going to do that. And then go through. And those, that, the noticing, diffusion, and expan- uh, expansion can happen really quickly. And you don't even need to hit them all necessarily. Mm-hmm. You just have to give yourself enough space and awareness to make a decision and a commitment to act differently. And forgive yourself when you don't. She probably stays in more than she goes out. Right. And some of that's to satisfy her parents because they're concerned with her. Um, but even at home, she, you know, just doing art and creating that way, that's a big value of hers. And so no matter what the issue is, she has that as an option instead of other behaviors, sneaking out, being a delinquent. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like, and to a degree, you said the perfection is not required. So yeah. for her to be able to recognize two or three times out of ten – for example, is probably an enormous um, success, I would guess, rather than the seven times maybe doesn't have as much value or, yeah. you know, that, that negative feeling, I guess. Sure. Is that is that safe to say that that's why you, what, what you mean by the, the perfection? Oh, I agree with that. I think you hit it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. So her parents were on the brink of divorce. The mom had moved out. And they also engaged in couples therapy in this process. So to help them is really help their child as well. Not only because they're speaking the same language, but the mom moved back in, they've reconciled, and they're on a, a decent path right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, ACT had a lot to do with that. That's cool. Well, that's great. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, Rennie, I man, that's, that's been pretty inspiring for me. I mean, boy, it's, it's pushed a lot of thoughts in my right. head. I, I'd love to have you back and sure. we can talk a little bit more about sure. it and, and, and even get, get into some, maybe some specifics. Uh, not that I want to be on the couch necessarily, but you know, yeah, we'll someone bring, will have to be on the couch. Yeah, probably, okay. <laughs> we'll make, we'll make somebody else do that. Get somebody on the street. But no, I really would like you to have you back and, and uh, discuss a little bit more in depth. I think yeah. our listeners would like it too. And maybe we could get into some communication things. Yeah. Uh, ACT isn't a be-all, end-all. It's another tool. Uh-huh. I still use cognitive therapy for certain things. Um, there's there's a motivational interviewing, the work by Byron Katie, if you've ever heard of that. Mm. That could be another thing we touch on. But um, I, I tend to choose things that mesh well nicely together um, because not all clients are going to vibe with one modality. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah, and we don't we don't single out a single modality to use. At Sundance, we're using a variety of different things yeah. and having another tool. Yeah, you just you is super important for yeah. us. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks again. We appreciate you coming, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. And thanks to all of our listeners. Appreciate your time today, and we'll see you on the next round. Thank you. 
We'd like to thank our parents that are listening to the podcast today. If you'd like to hear a different topic or ask a question to me, feel free to email me at nate at sundancecanyonacademy.com.